Hello and welcome to another episode of The Long Finish. I am your host, Tug Coker, and I'm here, as always, with my wife and co-host, Catherine Weil Coker. How are you doing tonight, Catherine? I'm great. How are you? I'm great. Because the wine we're drinking tonight is great. It's so fun to be drinking some fancy wine. That's right. We've had a, a very difficult week. So we're celebrating with some quality, potentially collectible wines for you all to hear us discuss. I've been waiting a long time for this episode. Have you? An excuse to buy something like, you know, on the wish list. It's episode 11 for the long finish. We've got a lot to get into, so let's get right into it. Here's the order of events for tonight. We're going to talk about what's been a crazy week for us. Then we're going to talk about holiday wine ideas for your wine friends or family members that love wine. Maybe it's yourself and you want to treat yourself. Then we're going to talk about the wine of the week and answer a question. And if you have a question about wine or anything else involving the wine world, feel free to hit us up at The Long Finish or DM us at The Long Finish on Instagram or TLFpod on Twitter. Twitter, and we'll be happy to answer any questions that you may have. And as I said last week, Catherine and I are enjoying putting together the podcast. So if you have an opportunity in the next week or so to put out a review, to rate, review, and subscribe to the show, it means a lot to us. It helps us reach a, a wider audience to talk about wine and parenting and whatever else we got under our belt. So if you have an opportunity to leave a, a, a podcast review, that would mean a lot to us. Thank you so much. Let's do a little tease. What is the wine that we're discussing tonight, Catherine? Ooh, tonight we have a wine from Burgundy. This is Domaine Marc Roy. Clopreur is the Ludite, or the name of this wine. And it's from Gevry Chambertin in Burgundy. Vintage 2014. This is 100% Pinot Noir. It is some special wine. Yeah, there might be a lot of pauses in the podcast this episode just from us sitting back and drinking. We're really enjoying it. And really enjoying it. Burgundy is always been kind of a love of mine the mystique the history and then we traveled there together so we can't always afford to bring home a great bottle of burgundy but when we decide to and we want to it's such a nice treat and that's what we think about tonight's episode with this is an opportunity where maybe you might want to splurge on a wine for yourself for the holidays or a father or mother-in-law or just yourself and add to your collection. So we thought that maybe this is a great wine for you to look out for at your local wine purveyor and seek out and, and let us know what you think. But let's get down to some real business and talk uh, a little bit of parenting before we get into the wine. Let's talk about the week. And first and foremost, ladies and gentlemen, I have to make an apology. Last week on the episode, I was talking about creating a drug called Mutant Immune, built from my own immunity because I was impenetrable in getting sick from my children. Well, that drug is a lie because... I got violently ill last week, and although it wasn't long, it was a quite a 24-hour window where I was in bed all day, and I disappointed my two or three fans out there to apologize that I got sick. Well, I'm glad we found out before we invested and went bankrupt. I, I was all in on was gonna go. I was all in. It was going to go downhill. I was ready to sell Esther's, <laughs> stop the writing, stop the acting, and go right into some sort of wonder drug but you know what back to the lab back to the pedialyte popsicles pedialyte popsicles you guys shout out to pedialyte popsicles if you don't have them get them get them just for yourself just for a hangover just for the pleasure oh my goodness maybe uh episode 12 would just be us reviewing pedialyte popsicles well i only like the orange flavor really you only like orange i don't like artificial fruit flavors you do not really in general but i can handle orange usually that's the one i like i was into the blue 
Oof. Uh, yeah. No. We'll get along great. You can have the oranges. Perfect. I'll have the rest. Yeah. <laughs> so this week was crazy, and tonight has been a little bit nuts just because, well, I got sick, unfortunately, but I did battle back enough to play in a golf tournament for those who were, who were wondering. Had a great time with some friends down in Newport Beach. Played a golf course called Pelican Hill, which was a lot of fun. And, you know, parents out there or working people out there, you all know it's not easy to get out and play golf in this day and age. And so I probably played about three or four times this year. And I used to play a lot growing up, but it took me about four or five holes to – I felt bad because none of the guys I played with that day had ever watched me play golf. So I came out and hit two balls straight out of bounds. And they're like, yeah, yeah, we're excited that you're here. (laughs) (laughs) And then, you know, slowly started to remember what it was like to swing a golf club. But I kid you not, I said this on Instagram, a couple hours away, it's almost therapeutic. You have to get out to the wilderness to just kind of forget the the cries of your kid. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, the nanny has gotten sick and I'm home with the kids for two days, not at work, which I fully enjoy. I am so happy to have the excuse to just... All right, we're just going to hang, play, have fun. But I was not forgetting the cries. You definitely did not forget the cries or text me about the cries or call me about the cries or remind me to come straight home to hear the cries. But I do appreciate you holding down the fort in that little 36-hour window and let me play golf. Which leads us to today, which was the actual bedtime. I would say it was quite good. The problem was that our youngest, our one-year-old, is dealing with, we believe, some molars coming in. And he was in a lot of pain last night, so we had to wake up multiple times to put in some medicine for for him and he ultimately got up at 4.15 in the morning for the day and I was up at 4.15 with him followed by a quick 5 o'clock with the second kid so I was up watching Paw Patrol at around 5.36 so it just makes for a long day like it was just a long grind of a day that's what we talk about when we talk about the long finish today felt like four days yeah just like wait it's still today it's only 2.15 oh my god that's what it's like it's a grind and uh, we felt it this week, but hopefully we... Today uh, was four days for sure. Yeah. So anyway, we end the day, though, with some great wine. I would like the end of this day to be four days, though. That, that's a great point. <laughs> I wish we could freeze this little two-hour window that we have Woo! where we just enjoy the wine. And we have lots to discuss. So let's get to the theme of the week, and let's talk about wine ideas for your wine family member or friend. Kathy, you want to step in here and talk about some things that we're thinking about when you're going buying wine for people? Well, we're talking about wines that are for your either really wine enthusiast friends or somebody really special in your life, professional or personal, that you want to put a little money down. This isn't a Tuesday night wine. This is something that they could either put in their cellar or they could open right away, but they're going to know, wow, this is special. So a couple of things. One, knowing the person that you're buying for obviously that's a huge help you got to know what they like and go from there and if you don't know call their assistant their sister their wife their cousin somebody is gonna husband somebody's gonna know what they like so phone a friend find out what they like wow great reference and and go from there. So most of the time, they're going to tell you red. Sometimes people are going to like white too, but just in general, they're more red drinkers, especially with serious wine people. So then they're either like, oh, they love Pinot Noir, or they love Cabernet Sauvignon, or they love like big reds, or they like Italian reds. They'll give you some like parameters. Then my go-to is Go with something from a region that's pretty classic in terms of delivering what they really love. 
for example, this wine tonight. They love Pinot Noir. Great. I'm going to get them either a California Pinot Noir or a Pinot Noir from Burgundy. I'm not just kind of go out on the edge and go for a Pinot Noir from Germany. Even though it's fun, it's best for a gift like this to go from a classic region. Just because when you give the gift, it'll be like instant recognition of like, this is special. But... My other recommendation is that I would not go for the 100 point Robert Parker pick, top, top blue chip of the blue chip producer within that region. I would choose something that's like smaller producer, slightly less known, under the radar, something that you're going to introduce them to. For example, we're drinking tonight a wine from Burgundy from Gevry Chambertin. Anyone who is a Burgundy lover or knows a little bit about French wine knows that region, that village within Burgundy. It's in the Cote Nuit. They have the most Grand Cru's of any village in the Cote Nuit. It's almost like the king of Burgundy. They're like powerful. They're usually structured. There's a lot of concentration as far as Pinot Noir. People know that region. This producer, not so much. Super small. She has four hectares. She's like fifth generation family run, but it's not blue chip top of the top. It's something to discover. And that's what I think could be really cool. I love the idea behind this. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. How does someone do that? I think any place, you're good place that you're going to shop for wine, like I always say, you have to talk to somebody. And I would say sometimes this might mean not necessarily like the sleeper producer, but maybe it's the sleeper vintage. Like, hey, this vintage wasn't like top of the charts, but I'm telling you right now, this wine is amazing. That's something special too. You just want to feel like you're giving them something special. You just didn't read, oh, what got 100 points and from that region and here you go. You really thought about it and asked some questions and are adding something to their wine library. Great ideas. So to those of you who live in areas that have great local wine stores, use the keys that Catherine's talking about now. But I'm going to ask a different question, which is for people who've been following us since episode one and have been trying to find some of these wines and having some trouble because they're not bringing them in, like like in Fredericksburg, for example. So what's some advice for places like that place where you may not be able to find these wines yet, but they still want to do something similar? Two things. One, you can buy some wines online. Two, if you are in Virginia, if you're in Fredericksburg, you could drive to Richmond, which has more offerings, more smaller wine shops, a lot more available. There's just more in Richmond. If you are staying in a small town like Fredericksburg and you want to go to Total Wine, even the people that are working there should know something about what they offer and the selection that they have. They have some sleepers. So I'm using my hometown as an example for places that might not have some of the wines we discussed, but I agree. And here's what we're going to do. Because we're in the holiday spirit. And if you are listening to our podcast and you're enjoying some of the recommendations that we've given, I want you to go ahead and DM us on Instagram at The Long Finish or email us at The Long Finish and tell us uh, where you're located. And we will look up some wine places in the area or the closest one of places that we think has wines that are similar to what we what we discuss on the podcast to help you find There are small places. wine shops all over the country that have really special things. You just kind of have to know where they are and if they ship to you. <laughs> so yes, please DM us and we'll help you find something cool. Yeah, so 
Anyway, let's talk about the wine tonight. So I met the winemaker from Domain Mark Roy, female winemaker, Alexandrine. She came to Esther's, I want to say 2015, maybe 2016, early 2016. And I tasted the 2014s. So it was like right when they were released. And I was amazed at how expressive and available they were right away, which is why I bought the wines. And she was so cool. Probably like about our age, um, which is like 25 um <laughs> you and, are i'm like 23 <laughs> and um she had like jean mini skirt and a scarf in her hair and just like earthy chill cool lady like not exactly what you pictured from this prestigious region and she was so fun to hang out with and taste wine and I think that there's this image of what Burgundy is and how intimidating it is because A. the wines are expensive. B. they're hard to understand because there's so many little different nuances and villages and vineyards and it's all complicated but then you just meet a cool lady who's taken over a family business farming four hectares and she's farming she loves farming she farms the four hectares like it's a garden she's obsessed with it she practices organic and she's just following in her family tradition but she's low intervention winemaking native yeast a lot of just natural practices and the wine is just so expressive the fruit is so alive it's so bright with Pinot Noir in general there's always like a cherry red berry and then mushroom those are two like typical classic indicators classic indicators and this wine of course has those but so so expressive so many other things dark cherry bean cherry cinnamon like a kind of like dusty cellar mushroom definitely a dusty cellar and mushroom it's so funny can we talk a little bit more about the region because i know there's some there's some differences so burgundy a region as a whole reds are always pinot noir and whites are always chardonnay this is a particular village in the Cote de Nuit called Gevry Chambertin which you've heard of you've seen it looks the label is super classic and like always a great gift because people recognize that village it's very structured more powerful more concentration than some, some, some other pinot noirs and this area Gevry Chambertin People often equate it to being sort of a muscular version of exactly. Burgundy wines. A little yeah. more power, a little more structure. And it has the most Grand Cru's of anywhere in the Cote de And this wine comes from a Ludit, which means like a basically Ludit is like a specific plot of land. It's not a vineyard per se, but it's a specific plot called Cloprieur, which is right next to a Grand Cru. I mean, this is crazy how one wine is like, two meters from another wine and it's a totally different price because it's a different soil type different vineyard i mean the monks laid it all out in burgundy years ago and they kind of knew what they were doing but cloprier right next to a grand crew 70 plus year old vines and the secret sauce like in all of burgundy is the limestone soils Burgundy, but like 200 million years ago, was covered in, was basically a sea, this tropical sea. And what it left was this very, very specific limestone. Limestone and grapevines are magic. They just are. Anywhere in the world, they're magic. The specific limestone that's in Burgundy, particular magic. So when you're thinking about bringing this home, we're talking about like the vintage or why you 
want to hold on to it for a few years. Yeah, I think vintage, I mean, it, vintage really matters. Um, in Burgundy, you can think about classic vintages versus really special vintages to seller versus ready to drink now. But just a, a note to think about for vintages, the people that talk about vintages on, I don't know, Wine Spectator or like all those forums and magazines and everything, those people are going in and tasting wines out of barrel when the wine is not like in a bottle or had any time. They're just predicting and they're talking to people based on what happened in the vintage. So they don't actually know what the wine's going to be like, you know? That's a great point. People you know, ask this all the time, like, well, what's this like now? And what is the perfect time to age it? Well, we can all guess, but I don't exactly know. And that's why I think it's great to talk to people in restaurants. Hey, have you opened any 2007s recently? How are they tasting? What's going? Oh, they're going through a like sleeper period. I'm always talking to people like, how are the 14s tasting now? Well, I'll tell you right now, I will go report back that the 14s are tasting great tonight. <laughs> so expressive but it's just wine is a living breathing thing and they go through phases where they're more alive and more expressive and then more mellow but also if you're a lover of burgundy there are classic vintages that need more time that are more moody that are less openly expressive right away and some people will love that how about this on instagram maybe we look up a couple of uh vintages that we think are like special years and some drinkable years just for you to have um, in your Rolodex of, of knowledge. That's what we'll do. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be kind of fun to just compare. And, you know, what's drinking now may be totally different than what's going to be drinking great in five years and ten years. Not maybe. It will be. And obviously people are right now currently in love with Pinots. It's a very popular varietal. And there's Pinot in both the old world, which is Europe, and new world, which is north and south america are there some ways to generally describe the difference between pinots and the old world and new world well you think about the climate in general new world which is the americas and australia and south africa warmer places so there's going to be more fruit and more alcohol old world places in europe france italy spain wherever it's going to be cooler climate and there's fruit but there's more other stuff that you will notice in the aroma and the taste of the wine. So the last thing I want to ask you about this wine is food pairing for the wine. Any thoughts to what you typically want to pair with Burgundy, but in particular this wine? Hmm, well, you know I'm going to say bean stew. Got to get it in. That's my go-to. Yep. Um, but in reality, would bean stew be delicious? Yeah, of course. It would <laughs> be delicious. You should just call this podcast the bean stew pod. Do you want to know what pairs with beans do? Listen to our podcast. Absolutely. <laughs> um, anything that pairs with Pinot Noir. I mean, the basic, most simple thing is roast chicken, which I'm all about making and most people are all about making all the time. Other lighter proteins, a duck, sometimes pork. Would beef bourguignon go well with this? Yeah. Not ideal, though. I think this wine needs something a little lighter. So we're staying in the white meat world. You could go beef bourguignon. So to recap, we're thinking roast chicken, duck, maybe pork, maybe into the beef bourguignon, which is like a some sort of stewed meat. Maybe not escargot. We'll go with a, a whiter fare for that. Or burgundy. it could, uh, yeah, escargot too. Do it. 
I'm saying that because when you know our special one of our special lunches on the day, we actually ate beef bourguignon and escargot on our last lunch. And we drank it with Pavolo Savanilla Bone, so it was. Then that was a great pairing. So do it. When drinking Burgundy, eat the food that you eat in Burgundy. Yep, great cheeses. Any specific cheese? Mm, I mean, of course, I like Epoix. Very gooey signature cheese. So go out there and get yourself a roast chicken or a duck or some pork or beef pork and yon escargot. A little gooey cheese during this holiday season. And enjoy yourself some burgundy wine. So anyway, we have this wine uh, that we're enjoying tonight. We have a few bottles at Esther's. So if you're around and you're interested in checking this out for yourself or some, you want to take a shot and um, see how beautiful this wine can be. Or like I said, email us or DM us where you live and we'll look up some places where we think we can find some quality wines for you during the holidays. It's our gift to you. I also want to say the joy of drinking a wine that's really a, a fine wine, a special wine, is drinking it slowly and how it expresses itself over time. So, you know, when we opened this an hour and a half ago, little bits at a time, drinking it, how it changes. I mean, sometimes when you're just enjoying something fresh and easy on a Tuesday night, you stop thinking about that. But how a bottle changes over time is special. How have you noticed this wine change over the course of the hour and a half that we've had it open? It's getting softer. It's getting more plush. The fruit is getting a little bit jammier. Although I would never say it's jammy, but there's just more other things I'm noticing in the wine too. Just a lot more complexity is happening. Yeah, exactly. So that's an example of what we think is a great wine idea for your wine friend or family member or yourself as a potential collector's item. But you need some other things to open some wine or or enjoy some wine. So we have a couple of ideas for things you may want to pick up for yourself or again for for your wine person that you love. Let's talk about wine glasses. Catherine, I know that you care a lot about wine glasses, and we happen to have a question from one of our listeners, from Mitch down in Australia. What's up, Mitch? Mitch asks, how important is glassware, and are the oversized red glasses really necessary? Well, my answer to that is, are you drinking the wine, or are you tasting the wine? If you're just drinking wine, it does not matter what you're drinking it in. You can drink it in a juice glass, whatever, a coffee cup, I don't care. You're just drinking wine, you're drinking it. If it's about tasting, yeah, the glass matters because most of what we taste is actually what we smell. The nose is everything with wine and the glass really matters in that sense. First of all, the fact that if it has a stem or not doesn't really matter. I personally love a stem, but it doesn't have anything to do with how you're enjoying the wine. But the point is the reason the glass is bigger is because it's actually holding a lot of the aromas. The way that the aromatics work They sit kind of on top of the wine. So if you're putting your nose in there to really experience the wine, you want a glass that's going to hold all the aromas. And with red wine, the aromas are just different. The other difference with red wine is that like a bigger 
rim or a larger opening tends to make the wine taste a little bit smoother. It helps with the tannins. I think glasses matter. We have Schwarzwiesel, which is a great brand at Esther's. I love Riedel. That's a good brand for glassware. So if you're looking for some everyday some that, wine glasses. Those are great. Well, and we'll put those out on the Instagram and Twitter, some ideas that we think are some great wines. If you're looking to drink everyday wines, wines on your Tuesday, Thursday night, even Saturday night. Like if you're not looking for some, you know, some seriously special glasses. We have these in our house. We use these glasses. We would give these glasses out as gifts to friends. Absolutely. That's what we we love day to day. And as, if you're at a picnic, it doesn't matter. You know, have it in a plastic cup. But you're if you're at home, like do yourself a favor and buy decent glassware so that you're experiencing the wine. And I will say, though, I am a recent convert of the fancy, fancy specialty glass. Zalto has been making really absolutely fabulous glasses for years. The only trouble with these glasses is that you have to get different ones for different wines. Your white wine glass, your champagne, your red wine glass, your burgundy glass. So your cupboard ends up being a little bit full. They have a universal glass. And then also they are breakable. So you have to be really careful. But they're great and they're available. I mean, you can get them on Amazon. But a recent glass that I've tried and I like and we are experiencing tonight is the Richard Brendan and Jancis Robinson glass, which is a universal glass. It's a high-end wine glass that's supposed to be used for any kind of wine. The only wine, like when they've done testing, that maybe needs a specialty glass or that this doesn't shine as well as some of those Altos is like vintage champagne. And I think that's it. Maybe vintage Barolo too, I think. But I love that because it's like one high-end glass. One. You don't need a lot of space in your cupboard. It's nice because it has a big opening like you want for a red. So it gives like the right texture that you want and mouthfeel for a red. But it also is big enough that it holds all it holds all the aromas. I think it's a great glass. Are you enjoying it? I am. They're beautiful. They're also, they feel so delicate. They feel so delicate. But the recommendation is dishwasher. It's crazy. The other thing I had, we, we've tried a little bit of wine in our sort of every night wine drinking glass. Which is fine. And then this wine uh, glass tonight from Chances Robinson, can you taste any sort of difference or smell any difference? Yeah, the nose is the difference. The taste is more similar. The palate is more similar. But the nose, I just notice more things. That's what you get with a higher-end glass. More of the aromatics sit on top of the wine. So when you put your nose in there, you just get more. So if you're looking uh, for another holiday gift item for yourself or family or friend, I think that they sell these at Bergdorf or you can get them online. And then the Zalto glasses are on Amazon and those are nice too. They just, you know, they break a little bit easier, but they're great glasses. We'll put all the options on social media. For the last gift option we're going to talk about tonight is how you open the wine. Let's talk about a wine key. Do you have any tips or, or ideas for how to give a, a good wine key for the holiday? There's so many out there and like lots of fancy ones that I don't know are like motorized. I don't even know how to use them. I mean, we got crazy. four or five just <laughs> sitting in the drawer. I don't know which one to use at which time. Some are so fancy. I don't even know what to do with them. But the basic thing is you just want a waiter's corkscrew. A waiter's corkscrew. You can get a simple one at Trader Joe's or a lot of grocery stores, Total Wine, whatever, for like seven bucks. Amazon, fine. A great version of that that's super classic 
that any wine enthusiast would appreciate and love would be a waiter's corkscrew from Laguille. They're like amazing knife producer. They make great little picnic knives. They make great knife sets. They make great cheese knives. They make amazing knives. But their waiter's corkscrew is kind of a classic. So even for the wine pro who has one of those robotic automatic (laughs) openers, this is something truly traditional and special. And they have it at like Williams-Sonoma. I think it's around 150 bucks. That's the pronounced like wheel. Close enough. Yeah. So it's spelled L-A- G-U-I-O-L-E. We'll put this on our Instagram and Twitter and and all of our social media to show you if you're looking for something to give your wine enthusiast person in the family. But a super classic, classic gift. And a good opener. Well, there you go. Some great options for your wine friends. Yourself. Treat yourself this holiday season. If you're listening to podcasts, I'm sure you're probably into wine. So make sure to add these things to your list and hopefully someone will hear your call. All right, let's get to the last portion of the evening, which is what's been inspiring us this week. And I'm going to go first. And I'm going to go out to the filmmaker, Mark Duplass. Why Mark Duplass? Well, this past week, I went to a symposium to learn a little bit more about the idea of how to make independent films in a way that make business sense. The ways that you can self potentially self-distribute and you know regain some control over things that you're working on. And if you don't know him, he and his brother made some great films in the mid-aughts and and into the 20-teens. His first film was The Puffy Chair, an independent film. He also made a film called Baghead and then went on to make a film called, you might know him from as an actor in a show called The League that was on FX and they made a show together called Togetherness on HBO. It's a person that if you don't know like the the independent scene, you might not know his face or his name, but if you saw him on some other projects, you'd be like, oh yeah, I've, I've seen that guy before. Anyway, he stayed for like an hour to talk to to us about how he thinks about independent film and how to make money, but also how to do it with a business sense, make things as cheaply as possible, et cetera, et cetera. But where I found him inspirational as, as a person was after an hour, we broke for lunch and he stayed. I went to lunch with a friend. I came back and he was still talking to people waiting in line to talk to him. He could have left. I saw other speakers that day who as soon as they finished, they were out the door. Mark stayed and answered, I'm, I'm going to guess, 50 different people's questions. Really cool. It meant a lot to me personally to see a guy who I think is very successful to stay and answer people. I, who knows what questions he was getting asked? Probably some that needed not to be asked. But you're lucky to be in a place, and I'm sure you are too, Catherine. It's lucky to be in a place where people actually want to ask you questions about things. And for people to take the time to answer those questions, I think really shows humility and humanity. And it's it's why you like root for certain people. So I now add to that list Mark Duplass, root for him and all the things he's making. And I, and I learned a lot. I'm always trying to learn how to get better. So that's it. That's my inspiration of the week, Mark Duplass. Thank you. Catherine, do you have anything? Well, this is twofold. I mean, kind of my inspiration is Burgundy. You know, we're doing it tonight. We're drinking one of my favorite regions, and that's always inspiring to me. Also, there is a book called The Lost Vintage by Anne Ma that I read earlier this year about Burgundy, about someone who is uh, about to take her test to become a master of wine. And it's a great book. A great way of tying uh, together fiction and wine, and that doesn't always happen, but it's great. I, I love the story, and it was super inspiring to me. As someone who 
I would like to write something someday. That is a goal of mine. Somebody who I don't think she knows a ton of like the writer has a lot of wine experience from what I understand. But she really got in there and told a great story and got into the heart. What's the name of the book again? The Lost Vintage. By... And Ma. We'll put that on our social media. You know what we'll do? We'll do a little book recap. I know I need to do that. Uh, for for everyone listening, all the books that you've selected this year. I'm looking forward to doing a best of the year music selection on the last podcast of the year. So I think we have three or four episodes left in the year. We'll get to our favorite books, our favorite wines, and our favorite songs and movies of the year. So thank you for that, Catherine. I know, and I know how much Burgundy means to you. It's one, It is probably your main source of inspiration when it comes to wine with regards to the building of Esther's. So if you are a Burgundy fan, make sure you come on out and visit Esther's in Santa Monica. It's really something that Catherine, the collection of wine there at Esther's with regards to Burgundy is something that she's very proud of. So come check that out. Okay, we did it. Episode 11 is in the books. Uh, thank you to everyone who has stayed with us from the beginning or is just joining us or is doing this in whatever order. We're so happy to have you here and we're excited to do more. Catherine, where can they find you and The Long Finish on social media? Find me on Instagram at Catherine Wild Coker and The Long Finish at The Long Finish. And then on Facebook, Catherine Wild Coker and The Long Finish. You can go to thelongfinish.com. Again, ask us any question you want. We'll answer it on the air. And if you're, again, looking for a wine store where we can find some wines we talk about. Please, please, we'd be happy to help you. Email us or DM us. You can also find us at on Twitter at TLFpod. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Tug Coker. And that's it. We're excited to do these episodes. We're excited to do one next week. It's, uh, it's a way for us to connect. We're up from 4.30 a.m. to... 10.30 p.m. But this is a two-hour window for us to have fun together and talk about some wine. So we'll do it again next week. Thank you for joining us. And as always, happy drinking. Ciao.